Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to Business Matters, presented by Valley First, the division of First West Credit Union. I'm Rob Capello, and a VP of Business Development at Now Media Group. Before we start, I'd just like to give a shout out to our sponsor. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Valley First, they're a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson Valleys. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. And they also have a robust business and commercial team with the expertise, products, and services needed to help local businesses grow and thrive. For more information, visit valleyfirst.com slash business. Uh, today, I'd like to welcome Ryan Smith to today's episode. Ryan is the manager of IT cybersecurity at First West Credit Union. Um, you've been with, I think, sorry, First West for almost seven years, if I have that right. Um, and you, you have extensive experience related to security operations and management. So real interesting topic we're going to talk about today when it comes to cybercrime it's uh cyber security something i had to learn teach myself researching so um october is national cyber security awareness month and i was wondering why so that's one thing i looked at and i looked at some of the numbers that kind of blew me away it says in 2015 there were there were 169 million personal records exposed from financial business education healthcare, and public sectors 66% of small businesses rely on the internet, probably higher now, but only 23% have an internet security policy. 594 million people were affected by globally by cybercrime each year, which again, just blew me away. Uh, 24 billion or more internet connected devices will be installed globally by 2020. So you guys are probably understanding where I'm going here. And in 2019, 71% of organizations experienced malware activity that spread from one employee to another. And in 2020, there is a report that 51% of organizations experienced a ransomware attack that led to at least a partial disruption of business operations. Again, totally blew me away. Didn't even think about that um, before this start, before I had this call. So without proper practices, cyber attack could really cripple your business. So today we're gonna talk about you know, how do we stay safe? What should we do? Uh, and uh, we are lucky to have Ryan join us to kind of talk about this. So let's get started. Before we jump in, Ryan, I mentioned, I asked him, like, I saw in your profile that you used to be a paramedic. So how did you go from being a paramedic for 10 plus years to cybersecurity? It's, it's one of those odd things when you live in a very small town and they need, uh, you know, people demand the local ambulance station. And I was involved in the fire service and still doing the IT work on, in that. And um, somebody was approaching and said, hey, we need, we need some paramedics here in town. Are you willing to go take the course and become a paramedic? And I just said, yeah, sure. That sounds kind of exciting. And yeah, it led to a 10 year career uh, rotting in the box, as we say. <laughs> so how did you come like, so if when you're getting into cybersecurity, it's a very unique, I guess, industry. Do you, do you go to school? Like, is there, do you have to actually go like, is there college, university? Like, what do you have to take to do that? So nowadays there actually is cybersecurity courses in college and university. Right. Um, when I started back in, you know, 2000 in the IT industry, cybersecurity really wasn't even a thing. You know, we didn't really talk about it. We talked about 
hackers and stuff like that. And they're always a guy in the basement, but it wasn't, you know, cybercrime wasn't a massive industry like it is now. Um, and I just kind of worked my way into it as I worked up in organizations. We started to see the niche of, hey, we need somebody to configure firewalls and battle cybercrime and, you know, do incident response. And you just learned, I learned it over the years and years and then, you know, became, a, kind of just fell into it all of a sudden, became a really big passion of mine. Uh, interesting. So just so people understand, like, what does cybercrime mean? Like, is there, if, if someone says cybercrime, like, what are they, what are you speaking about? Cybercrime generally for me, my, my view is, is, is criminal activity that, you know, starts on the internet and targets people on the internet, you know, so phishing or malware, I would all consider that kind of cybercrime, you know, that's kind of how I would describe it. So, so, I mean, my limited knowledge, I, I knew the term like malware or adware. So those are part of cybercrime. That's part of the big picture of cybercrime. Yeah, exactly. You would consider cybercrime, I, I would think of it as this giant ecosystem in, in a circle and it's got many parts, just like any type of criminal activity. Right. Um, you know, it's just one way the malware would be using the, the crowbar to break into the house as right. per se. And then right. stealing the money would be another technique that they would use our tool. Got it. And so... You know, when when you see a lot of those Norton antivirus and stuff like like people feel like, hey, if I installed Norton antivirus, I'm 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 good, I'm secure. Is is that true? Like, is there more to it than that? I assume there's so much more to it nowadays. And that was the old you know the old thought process. Right. You know, you got your antivirus software and you're safe. But you know, uh, cybercrime is a multi-billion-dollar industry in reality now and then there's so many different facets of it that you actually have to think about to protect yourself is have you seen sort of um is is a threat sorry increased like are we seeing if you, year over year because we talk about we're in we're you know there's a whole month dedicated in october is it because we're seeing an increased threat all the time I think it's because we're so reliant on technology and the internet now just in our daily lives you think especially now in the the world of covid everybody's working from home. You know, right. our, a lot of our jobs rely on the internet. Um, you know, just having an internet connection now is job security in, right. in some respects for you need to, for your work. So we're, we're all now more connected and the threats have just grown because now, you know, when I started on the internet back in the nineties, there was, you know, a handful of people, millions of people on the internet. Right. Now I think it's in there were trillions of people, you know, so many more people on the internet, so many more devices connected to the internet, billions and billions of devices. Um, and not only like say a laptop or, you know, a, a tablet, you know, your cell phones, your watches, you know, earbuds nowadays, your refrigerators all connected to the internet. So this large ecosystem that's now become a very big target and, and a lucrative target for cyber criminals. Yeah. So that was, that actually was one of my questions. So these, all the mobile devices, is it making it and all the stuff I didn't even think about earbuds, but I guess it's all. And then there's apps and streaming video and streaming audio, like all that is a, a gateway for these crimes to occur. Exactly. It's, it's all a conduit hmm. um, from text messaging to email to just browsing the internet, social media. It's all a conduit to, to, to tip cybercrime. So what about like cloud services? Are we, are we, are we putting ourselves like, are they secure or are they not? Because everything's moving to the cloud. Is, is that is that causing more issues or is that more is that more secure? I, I would say if, if configured properly, it's way more secure. Okay. Uh, because it's it's adapted more, it's updated constantly. But I think there is some 
uh, assumption on a lot of people to say, hey, if I move to COD, I'm going to be automatically secure. And that's, that's not quite the case. There's, there's additional steps that businesses and organizations need to take to, to actually ensure kind of compliance or, or that just take the security steps to, to kind of get themselves to a point where they can actually feel and, and state that. Right. You mentioned sort of, are we seeing, uh, you know, because this year is obviously the last few months or, you know, eight months have been different because people are working from home. So are we, are we seeing an increase um, in cyber criminal activity because of that? Because more people are at home, there's fear of, like I was reading on, you know, there's, there's COVID scams or people are falling into. Is there more of that just because, like you said, just the activity is higher now? I think there's two pieces there. COVID definitely plays into it. People are a lot more hyper aware of COVID. Um, they're always looking at emails related to COVID and it's just because it's front of mind. So that that itself, you know, in, in any type of, um, you know, world event such as that or any type of, you know, terrorist event, we generally right. see a, a significant increase in, in uh, like phishing and stuff like that. Right. The other piece to it is as a lot of businesses transitioned to work from home models, um, in some in some areas, they had to relax a lot of the security controls just so they can maintain, you know, their business continuity, and that kind of opened the doors for cyber criminals as well to to potentially get in and infiltrate organizations. Hmm, interesting. That's just crazy. And, or what are you seeing? Is there I don't know if that's the right word. Is there trends in uh, cyber crime that you're seeing? That's I, I, it's got to be constantly changing. But what, is there is there some trends that you can pinpoint that we're seeing? It always ebbs and flows. We see different right. threats that kind of pop up. They go down and as we kind of mitigate them. Uh, last year, we've seen a significant increase in business email compromise where businesses uh, had their email systems compromised and were doing various different things with that information. On the retail side and our, our normal members, we've seen a significant increase in what we call search engine frauds. Um, where uh, a cyber criminal will set up a fake ad to go to a fake website on behalf of, you know, Envision Financial or any other financial institution. So when you go to Google and search for your bank or your credit union, it's the first link that you click on and ends up taking you to a fake website. Wow. And so how do you, how do you, how do you know, like how, from a consumer point of view, how do you know what you're clicking on? Like, how, how do you protect yourself from that? It's very tough at times because we're always in a rush or, you know, our worlds are, are so fast nowadays and you just, you know, you're so used to seeing the logo and, and, you know, the look of the site and you don't necessarily see those little kind of intricacies that uh, may pop up, you know, in the case of fake, you know, banking websites, you know, we always look for me for a possible security error, right. but the cyber criminals are, are smart to that. They try to generally check their sites, to make sure they're not showing any errors. We got to look at the URLs. Sometimes they're very obvious, but sometimes they do buy domains that look very similar to like a lot of brand names, right. you know, by replacing an L with an I or an I with an L. Um, so it looks similar because the human eye, a lot of times when you're looking at words, ignores some vowels. So it's mm. easy to replace those and swap those because you may not necessarily see it right off the bat. So what about, what about like, is, are you seeing like Google and Facebook, like, do they play a role into making sure they're, I mean, I'm sure they're doing it all the time, making sure they're taking down these, something like we're just talking about now, fake uh, websites, or is it just, is it just a constant battle that they're always working on? It, for us, it's a constant battle. I think uh, in the last uh, two to three weeks, uh, we've seen about 10 to 20 of these sites, which is significantly rare, which is significant and rare for us. We generally don't see this volume. Um, we have a pretty good record of actually getting them taken offline, but actually working with companies like Google and, and Facebook could actually be a bit of a detriment because they're so big and they don't necessarily listen to some kind of small organizations, you know, such as 
small credit unions in Canada or even small businesses that are in the Okanagan area. They may not listen to them right away to say, hey, do you know what? This really is fake. And it takes two to three days at times to get these ads taken down. And by that time, because it takes so long, the, the cyber criminals have actually now adapted and they've changed their techniques to kind of counter what we're doing to, to combat them. That's crazy. So how are you, like what's First West Credit Union doing to combat cybercrime? Like what are some of the, without giving away maybe all your secret sauce, but what, what are you guys doing to, to combat that? You know, our, our first area is, is always member outreach, right? Doing things like these shows, talking to the members. We, uh, when it was uh, pre-COVID, we were going to almost all of our branches every year and talking to our members, teaching them all the different things about how to protect themselves and become cyber safe, as we call it. And we're currently adapting that program to, to go uh, virtual. We post a lot of videos on our websites to, to help protect yourself. Um, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we've got a massive campaign targeting um, you know, our members on you know, different channels like Instagram, Facebook, uh, I was even trying to convince them to use TikTok uh, because that's like what all the kids are doing nowadays. Yeah. But, you know, really trying to get the message out there and, and really get the people to start thinking about it um, from that perspective. On the technical side, we're always, you know, changing how we operate and, and adjusting our tradecraft. I, I have the privilege of leading a really great and smart technical team here that I would say is on the cutting edge of battling cybercrime um, mm-hmm. in Canada. Um, and we, we get to uncover some really neat things at times that are, are quite scary. And but we also have the privilege of protecting our members and feeling good when we actually get to take down some of these cybercrime networks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we still haven't got a conviction yet. And, you know, we're still <laughs> working towards getting that, you know, that gold, uh, that gold star there. But, I, you know, we're, we're always actively learning. And that's one of the key things for us. I think that, that differentiates us is that we we know a lot about the people that are trying to attack us. We, we really learn how they operate and, and what they do. And it helps us uh, adapt to what they may do next. So are we talking about, when you're saying about these attacks, like are, are these, you know, Russian interference or is it someone sitting in their basement? Like who are these people that are that are actually doing the attacking? It's a, it, honestly, it's a combination of a few. You know, we have seen in Western Canada, targeted at small financial institutions, uh, nation state attacks, you know, mm-hmm. from countries like North Korea to, to you know, to be very provocative here. Oh, yeah. um, we have definitely seen uh, some of the big cybercrime groups out of Russia. They're, mm-hmm. they're an absolute constant within the Canadian financial system. And then, yeah, we do get the, the person in the basement just trying to make a quick buck, um, trying to attack our members or attack the credit unions. Um, and generally, when they're attacking, you know, one credit union, they're attacking to the whole system. Right. You know, we don't necessarily see them targeting just Valley first. You know, right. at, at times we see them attacking almost every other credit union in the system. And one of the great things about us is we, we have those relationships with our other fellow credit union partners and we're able to kind of combat it together. So are, are, are they, I'm fascinated by someone like say that, because I understand that big organizations and, and you know, we joke, I joke instead of Russian interference. And I get that, like, they're you know, they're trying to interfere in elections and I kind of get the, the win for them, but someone that's in their basement, are, 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 are sometimes are they doing it just because they just they just want to do it just to create havoc? Or are they actually not really looking to make dollars? I'd say the majority of the cybercrime we see, you know, and we relate this into the kind of the financially motivated a- actor. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make a buck, and you know, I'll be honest, it doesn't take a few, it doesn't take too many attempts to to make a bit of money at mm-hmm. this. Um, and some of these big crime groups, they're making millions and millions of dollars a year off of uh, North Americans and Canadians at that. 
Interesting. So how do you, do you have an advice for like, so if, if you're a small business and you don't have a team, like you guys do, you have talented people and yourself that are kind of looking after it, but what, you know, how can they keep themselves and their customers safe? Like what can small businesses do? One of the first things I tell a lot of small businesses is get out and educate your staff. You know, there's a lot of great resources, uh, the get cyber safe uh, initiative from the government of Canada. It's got a ton of resources and that you can just say, you know, everybody review all this information. And that talks generally around like phishing, um, which is probably the number one threat that we see just as an actual organization itself um, down to how to secure critical systems. And then the second one I always tell people is hire technology professionals that they can trust. Something that's going to give them really great information. You know, a good technology professional is going to give you that good advisory service, like any good business, but also tell them, you know, maybe use this technology stack versus that technology stack. And then the third one we're really harping on a lot lately is with any business is make sure that all your systems, anything that you log into has what we call multi-factor authentication. So you're using tokens on your phones or biometric authentication so that, yeah, if you give your member, staff member gives that password away, they still need that, that phone token or that uh, digital token to kind of get access to any of those systems. Right. And are those things that um, business owners actually can implement themselves or are they typically working with a company that helps them do that? Because it sounds pretty like I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> right. So, yeah, a lot of technology things like, you know, Office 365 and Gmail, it almost comes built in with that oh, now okay. out of the box, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's great. But, you know, it's always great if you, you go out and hire that technology professional to come in and actually, you know, kind of guide you. Um, we're starting to see a really big increase within the small and medium business uh, verticals of, you know, security companies actually target that vert specific vertical now, because it was one of those things that you'd only see the big businesses have, they'd have security professionals there. There's a lot of companies now that would they, they offer what they call a, a chief information security officer in a box or a virtual chief information security officer. And that role is just to help advise on kind of what you need as a business to, to survive. You know, and we say that's really great too for businesses that are, are online now. A lot of people start businesses that are online and they have an online presence. Well, it's interesting because it would, the dollars you have to spend to get it set up properly would save you thousands if you, you know, if to uh, avoid an attack, right? So, yeah, the investment up front makes a big difference than when you do eventually. If I wouldn't say if you get attacked, it's when you eventually get attacked. It is yeah. going to happen to any business out there. And are, and are these are, are these crimes or, or the attacks, are, are they coming from outside or do you ever see sort of internally like with employees and like is, is, is there a policy you need in place even internally, what to click on, what not to, what you should be doing when you're in, when in the office? Yeah, we definitely see uh, kind of the two forms of the, the external attack that everybody, most people think about when it comes to cybercrime, but a lot of businesses do forget about what we call that insider threat that that person that's inside the company and i think a really great prime example especially in financial services uh was the uh the breach at desjardins uh, last year and that was related to a staff member internally that that compromised information um so you know having things like policies procedures appropriate logging you know making sure your staff only have access to information that they need to have access to um is super critical there um you know because we want to trust our staff but at times staff do get disgruntled and, and they will do things to, to to hurt your business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. So what advice are you recommending for members when doing their banking digitally? Because I, I would assume like, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it, I haven't been, I haven't seen a teller in a long time. So I do everything online, but what's some advice that you can recommend when we're doing that? 
you know, some really basic advice is making sure you have good complex passwords. Um, so not reusing that password on any other systems. Um, so, you know, what I mean by complex password is, you know, we don't necessarily need passwords that are 25, 30 characters long anymore yeah. um, because we don't want you to reuse passwords either. So, you know, a complex password would be, you know, I like tacos 2020, you know, with yeah. two exclamation marks would be good complex password. And then I would, you know, use an application like a password manager, like LastPass or Password Keeper to maintain unique passwords for every system that I have. And the nice thing about those password keepers is it requires generally biometric authentication and it's got additional security features that would detect, you know, logins from any other odd locations. So that's what I leverage is I use a password keeper for every one of my systems. I think my last count, I had about 130 unique systems wow. that I had access and I had unique passwords for every one of those. Yeah. Um, so if your password is compromised, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a great example is what happened at LinkedIn a few years ago. Right, when yeah. they had a breach and the passwords are all released. And then now they just try that password on every other system. The nice thing also about a complex password is it uh, prevents generally a lot of what we call password spraying attacks, where they'll use a very simple password, like password one, two, three, and they will try to log into uh, multiple accounts with that one password. And uh, the last stat I heard is using what we call a password spray attack uh, is about a one in 250 chance to get into a system by using mm -hmm. a a simple password. So that's kind of one of the areas. The other one that I recommend to all of the members, uh, it doesn't matter what institution you're in, is to set up mobile alerts on specific areas of your account. So, you know, bill pays. So when an, uh, a cyber criminal gets access to your uh, account, you know, yeah. by phishing or something, they need to get the money out somehow. And they generally use that through a bill pay. Um, so paying like a Boolean account or a prepaid Visa or MasterCard, or they'll do an interact e-transfer to uh, another account and transfer it out. So you wanna make sure that you get a, a text message or an email of some sort every time somebody sets up one of those bill pays. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great way to, to get ahead of it. And the faster that the, the institution knows about potential fraud, the faster they recover the funds. And then the second, uh, third, sorry, the third is, you know, use multi-factor authentication for banking. Um, so our new online uh, digital experience platform that we've got has got multi-factor authentication built into it. I think we're just launching that in the next week and a half, two weeks here. Um, so when you go to log in, it's going to send you a token to your phone that you need to actually enter that, that token as well. And it's that additional layer of security. You know, and you can use two-step verification or authentication on many systems, even like Twitter, Facebook. A majority of uh, systems now online have two-step verification, which is great. It's fantastic. I can't remember which financial institution it was, but they, they used to send something in the mail. It's almost like a little pad that you push the button every time you wanted to log on and they gave you a password or a key or something. Is that yep. still, is, did anyone the, still use those? They're still, yeah, they're still what we call hard tokens. And, and oh, okay. some organizations still use them. A lot of, um, a lot of governments and, and uh, municipal businesses will require that because they don't want staff to have tokens on their phones. They want to be able to lock it away in a safe and, right, and right. use it when uh, they're in the office. Interesting. So why is it important for us to be proactive in cybercrime prevention? Like what are, you know, what are some of the key things that, you know, why we need to do this? One area that I, I always say is if we make it hard for the cyber criminals to get into our systems, they're generally going to leave us alone and carry on to the next easy victim. It's like living in a house and, you know, making sure you lock your doors and you have lots of lights on your yard and so anybody prowling around is going to set off, set off the alarm or, or get illuminated. 
So we, we don't want to make it easy for them to, to commit cybercrime. As an organization, we that is one of our kind of tenets of when we do see cybercrime, we hit it hard and hit it fast. Um, we like to combat it really hard. The other one too is is you know at the end of the day, if we continue to let cybercrime uh, proliferate proliferate in the in the, in the country, it, it's going to destabilize the financial system, um, and it doesn't matter in the credit union system or the the big banks. There there will be some destabilization, and it I think eventually it would lead to to some type of inflation. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's bigger eh, than just what it causes for one little thing, the ripple effect that could cause, right? Well, and you think, you know, when they talk about vote influencing in the United States or, or abroad, that there's been kind of that implications of cybercrime, you know, where they've potentially influenced elections, you know, could they actually influence a, an, a, an economy of a, a nation? Very possible. Yeah. Um, we're going to switch focus a little bit. Uh, I warned you about this. So we're going to we're going to park cybercrime for a second. We're going to come back and finish up. I've, I've got a few more questions, but um, we're going to do a segment I call rapid fire questions. We're going to learn a little bit more about you and uh, uh, we'll have some fun with it. So what was your very first job? I was a dairy farm worker. Milk oh, cows. Wow. Yeah. And where? I milk cows on Vancouver Island. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, um, have you met anyone famous? Who's the most famous person you ever met? You ever met anyone? Uh, the most famous person I ever met, I would say, is Dougie Gilmore, the Calgary Flames. Oh, nice. Where was that? What were you doing when you met him? Uh, I was in Calgary. I was actually refing a hockey game and his son was playing it. Oh, that's great. Well, that's yeah. a good one. Um, are you, I'm not sure if you're a reader. If you are, what sort of genre? What are you reading right now? What are, if you're picking up a book, what is it? Uh, Jocko Wilnick's Extreme Ownership. So nonfiction, kind of a leadership book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very similar to me. That's what I would like to read. Uh, if you had to shut the door now and crank some music while you're doing work, what are you listening to? Uh, heavy metal. <laughs> um, is there anyone that as you've kind of got it in your career, someone you admire, someone you've looked up to, it could be either in your personal life or even just, you know, uh, aspirational, but is there anyone you admire or look up to? Oh, there's, there's so many. Um, so, oh, they're tough. all watching. You're gonna offend somebody. Yeah, they're they're all. Yeah, I will <laughs> offend somebody. You know, honestly, I, I do admire Bill Gates. I I really admire Microsoft and what he's done there. And you know, I'd love yeah. to to pick his brain for at least an hour. Yeah, no, that's a good one for sure. Um, actually, no, I met Bill Gates once. That's oh, wow. my famous. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got any favorite quotes? Do people say you can say something? They're like, "Well, oh, that's our, that's Ryan." Is there anything you go around saying? Um. You're damned if you, you're damned if you don't. <laughs> um, what was the first big ticket item you bought with your own money? I think it was a mattress. Oh, that's, oh very practical. Most people, yeah. most people I asked this question, they blew it on something like, I bought a stereo system, something useless, but that's good. It was practical. That's good. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you want to accomplish next year that you haven't, that you, in 2021, you're like either in business or personal life, is there anything you're working on that you want to accomplish? I'm teaching myself how to hunt again. And uh, I did a little bit as a kid, so I'm, I'm kind of getting back to my, my roots there. So maybe uh, maybe a big game hunt or something like that, and you know, for elk or something, I don't know. Well, I uh, when we're able to travel, what was the favorite place you ever visited? I really like Portland, actually. Portland's a favorite city of mine. Oh, I've heard, I've never been, but I've heard amazing things about Portland. Yeah, it's That's a fun cool. city. Last question. If you weren't doing what you're doing today, so you're not the, in cybercrime, what would you be doing? 
Oh, I would. Oh, I was thinking about this the other day. I would probably own like a campground or something outdoors. Just tinker uh, yeah. around outside. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. It's great. We'd love to learn more about people. So that's, that's always good. Um, last few questions. Um, is there any stories that you can share with us where maybe cybercrime prevention helped a member or a business member? Is there anything you can kind of pinpoint? You know, I think we, we, we deal with lots and I, you know, I think a really key one for us is uh, we dealt with a threat actor a couple of years ago that was really prevalent actually in the Okanagan. Mm. Uh, and they they were sending text messages to a lot of our members trying to convince them to go over to uh to fake websites um we didn't necessarily help one member i think we actually helped a lot of members in, in this instance um and, and you know some good work with the team and you know we ended up figuring out that this fake website that they were using actually had a bit of a vulnerability and we were actually able to get in and actually find out everybody actually connected to that website um, so we sat there and we watched it while we were getting it taken down offline and we were able to preemptively, um, you know, alert all of those members and have their passwords changed. And, and I, you know, it was, it was a great moment for our team to say, Hey, you know, we actually got the upper hand here and we figured out how this guy was actually working. And we ended up tracking this actor, um, to a very specific neighborhood in Montreal, wow. uh, and actually even knew which, uh, fast food restaurant he liked to use. Uh, committed cybercrime so you know really cool wins and we kind of felt like we were the the detectives in the NSA or the, the secret yeah. service there running that one down but you know we we ended up uh, you know we never got to get, take it to court they settled it all inside court but you know he, that that threat actor has disappeared we don't see him much anymore and you know I think we saved saved our members thousands of dollars wow don't 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 mess with you guys eh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find your restaurant you're at. That's awesome. That's that's a neat story. Um, why is it important for us to bring awareness to cybercrime during like the uh, Cyber Security Awareness Month? It's new to me. Like I didn't know there was even a month. So how do you know why is it important for us to keep that uh, awareness up? It's not only for us. It's it's great that we can learn. And what I always love to hear from our members is, you know, when I do presentations to them, is I learned so much today. I'm going to go home and tell my family. You know, so if we can all take the time to learn about one or two things and, and kind of share, you know, some information to five other people, you know, we're exponentially uh, sharing that information out and, and we can make the system a lot more stronger and, you know, and get, gets us a lot more value and also gets a lot of feedback when you, our members and uh, our businesses are, are actively involved in caring about cybercrime, they're going to tell us what they want next. They're going to force mm -hmm. us to, to kind of keep up our game and um, we can become better as well. That's great. So if anyone's, for anyone listening and they want to learn more, or they want to implement a strategy, like where can they go? Like what steps from a business owner? Is there resources that can go online and learn more? What do you recommend? I think one of the um, best areas that I always like to people to go to is the, the Government of Canada Get CyberSafe initiative. So uh, getcybersafe.gc.ca. There, there's just an absolute wealth of information there, links that will help businesses, individuals, and even like nonprofit groups. Hmm. Um, you know, get uh, that information that you need to kind of protect themselves. That's excellent. Well, Ryan, thanks. Very interesting topic. Thanks for joining us today. That was that was fascinating um, talking about something that I think we we kind of take it for granted that it won't happen to me. Like I think there's probably a lot of that that we you know it's it's but how important it is, like you said, like if you guys wouldn't have 
like the one you were just saying, the situation where you tracked down the person went trial. Imagine if you wouldn't have done that, if you weren't able to catch like what they could have done to your members and, you know, and people are vulnerable and, you know, you're losing money and, and, and all that. So I think it's fascinating how critical it is to have a policy in place and really be diligent of what you're, you're doing. So, so I really thanks for sharing the information. It's such valuable information. Is there anything you want to share at the end before we wrap up? No, it's awesome. Thank you for uh, letting me speak and uh, spread the word. Yeah, excellent. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, and for everyone else, thanks. Have a great rest of your day. And thanks for tuning in to Business Matters. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.